Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm David Brody. It's Friday, June 11, 2021. We begin with a beautiful picture. I'm not talking, by the way, of me posing on the cover of GQ magazine. I can confirm that has never happened and they haven't called. Instead, I give you this, a classic G7 summit picture. I know, I know, riveting. Nothing like a bunch of world leaders hanging out near the water in Cornwall, England. So what do they want from America? Biden ain't Trump. How is it playing? We will explore. Plus, 10 senators agree to a bipartisan infrastructure deal. We're hearing taxes would not be raised to pay for it, except, oh, I don't know, maybe a gas tax. Hold on. That's a tax. So now what? What do Republicans and Democrats in Congress think of the deal? We will explore. Also, she just can't escape the controversy. Ilhan Omar has both Republicans and Democrats upset at her. Good for her, by the way. She has achieved bipartisanship in Washington. Both parties agree that what she has said about comparing the U.S. to Hamas is disgusting. It's wrong. It's honestly downright shameful. We will get into that. But first, the G7 summit in England. President Biden is there. At least his handlers have told him he's there. Uh, the G7 is made up of the world's seven largest economies. Here's what's on the table. The global economy, efforts to come together to combat COVID, and yes, of course, climate change. By the way, uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, can I say that with a little Angela Merkel, uh, said she is very happy to meet with Joe Biden because he supports multilateralism. And then <laughs> she added how that was missing the last few years, uh, clearly a swipe at former President Trump. All right, let's discuss this in uh, more news of the day with the former energy secretary for the Trump administration and former governor of Texas, Rick Perry, back with us on the water cooler. Governor, thanks for being here. Good to be with you, David. Uh, Governor, on the G7 summit, much different flavor this year coming from the U.S. So is this like a 180 reversal that we're seeing? Uh, it, it, it was some, it was some pretty stylish gymnastics, I would say, uh, a, uh, a, a move, uh, away from America first, obviously, uh, a move away from, uh, America's economic best interest. Uh, when you think about whether it's, uh, uh, the deal to go back into the Paris, uh, accord, whether it's, uh, uh, doing whatever Iran wants to make John Kerry happy, the best I can tell, uh, to placate the Russians with Nord Stream 2. When you take all three of those things into uh, to consideration, you've got to think this is a complete and total flip-flop from the uh, policies that were put in place by the Trump administration to make America both economically more powerful and in our national uh, security interests. So uh, without a doubt, this is a, uh, a, a complete turnaround from where Donald Trump and his administration have taken the United States. And I will suggest uh, that most people see it as 
weakening America uh, in the international world. Uh, yeah, Angela Merkel, uh, she loves this because the finishing of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline means that Germany gets to wheel all of that energy and make a ton of money. Uh, ask the Poles what they think about it. Yeah. I will suggest to you that the, uh, uh, the leadership in Poland is looking at this thing and going, holy mackerel, where are we headed? And as we ask the polls about that pipeline, how about Americans about the Keystone XL pipeline? Uh, it is now officially canceled. Uh, obviously, I've got to get your reaction to that and what that means for uh, America and the, the economics behind it. Yeah, not even, notwithstanding what it says to our friends to the north. I mean, this is a... This is a shot at the Canadians. Like I, I, I can't believe this is basically saying, ah, we don't need you. You know, take a hike. Uh, not to mention the loss of uh, good-paying jobs in the United States. If you're a union uh, pipe worker, pipeliner, uh, if, if, if you're working on laying that, well, you're you're out of work. Uh, so I, I can't think of a political move that was any more in your face to blue-collar, hard-working Americans than the uh, the Obama administration, excuse me, the <laughs> Biden administration, uh, rolling in here and putting that pipeline um, to bed, to death. Yeah. In, sure. Just massive, massive bad uh, policy, in my opinion, both economically and, again, from a national security standpoint. You know, to have you on and not talk about a Texas-related issue would just be uh, uh, malpractice, journalistic malpractice. So let me ask you a little bit about this latest headline we saw there uh, down in Texas. Texas, uh, to build its own border wall. I guess they're going to work with Mexico down there. I'm not quite sure from a federal standpoint how that works, because I, I think you're supposed to kind of, that, that's a federal issue, immigration. But well, what, what do you think about these, this idea of Texas trying to build its own border wall because the, the Biden administration has been AWOL? Yeah, good on good on Greg Abbott. Um, if you'll recall, I met uh, on the tarmac in Dallas back in uh, um, probably eight or nine years ago uh, with Obama because we had, I think it was 2012, uh, we had some issues with these unaccompanied minors coming in and we needed the federal government to do their job. Uh, we instituted what was called Operation Linebacker at that particular point in time. Uh, it helped. Uh, but we don't have the resources. We don't have the, uh, uh, the manpower uh, to secure that border. It, it's uh, 1,800 miles. I mean, it's a huge border. The federal government failing to do their job on national security uh, is, I think, one of the biggest failures to date in an administration that has some pretty big failings. So, uh, you know, thank God that... Um, you know, we got the leadership in Austin, Texas, that's willing to stand up and say, you know what, Washington, if you won't do this job, we will. Governor, I've got to ask you about Elon Omar's uh, comments recently comparing, in essence, uh, when she talked about atrocities, she put in Hamas and the United States in there in the same sentence. I mean, what in the world? Uh, there, there is a there is part of what she said uh, regarding uh, some of the. Um, controversy that's been out there. Uh, she's talked about unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. What in the world? Uh, she's even getting pushed back big time, even for Nancy Pelosi. You know you've gone way too far if Nancy, <laughs> if Nancy Pelosi is criticizing you. What's your take? Well, one word comes to mind when I think about her, 
and, and I'm talking about uh, Omar, mm -hmm. and that's despicable. Mm -hmm. uh, this is an individual who uh, should be thankful that she gets to live in a country where freedom uh, really matters, and, and she's doing everything she can to take those freedoms away. Uh, th th this is a sick person, in my opinion, uh, but more importantly, she is really despicable when it comes to America, uh, to the values that uh, have made this country the greatest country on the face of the earth. You mentioned a, a sick person. It makes me think of this country for a moment. They, they're the spiritual state of our country, uh, it's sick. Uh, right now. There, there, there's a lot of people concerned about where America is heading, where it's going. And this isn't about the Biden administration as much as it is about the spiritual state of our country for a very long time. Well, what's your what's your biggest concern in that regard, sir? Yeah. And it's, it's I think you're spot on, David, from the standpoint of and and, and I will I, I think we need to really look inward and look at our churches and look at the leadership in our churches and those that uh, the, the, these pulpits that are, quote, woke, uh, and, and the absolute moving away from biblical philosophy, um, I mean, we need to—our churches need to get back to really teaching true uh, biblical principles and get away from the politics of, of, of the day and whatever's popular. Uh, it— our churches will do that, then I think our people will not only come back to those churches, but our country uh, will be safer. Our country will be uh, more comfortable with itself, and our country will be saved. Yeah, and I've got about 30 seconds left. Just politically, how do you think 2022 is shaping up for Republicans? Kevin McCarthy was on the show a few weeks ago, about a month ago, said, He's very confident they're going to take the House back. What do you think? I, I think the pendulum is going to swing back, and it's going to swing back hard. Uh, the 2022 elections are going to be a watershed year for uh, people who believe in freedom. And uh, by and large, that's the Republicans. Governor Rick Perry, great to have you on the show. Wish you a pleasant weekend. It's, uh, it's great to, to, to know you for such a long time, and, and I thank you for everything you've done for the country. God bless you. All right. And there you go. And there's the there's the quintessential, let me quote him, God bless you. I believe this is where I say back to him, because he's from Texas, bless your heart. But then again, I'm from New York, so we got a few other terms uh, that I cannot say on the water cooler, though I wouldn't say that to Rick Perry, by the way. I would never use a New York off-the-record term to Rick Perry because he's salt of the earth. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dave Bratt. He is the dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. I'm sure he has a few things to say about this infrastructure deal between Republicans and Democrats. These are 10 senators, five and five. They've come to a framework of a deal, but what does that mean? Is Nan are Nancy and Chuck gonna go along with this? Back in a moment. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. So Republicans and Democrats think they may have a deal. Ten Senate Democrats and Republicans, there it is, the Washington Post. Hey, I believe everything in the Washington Post. I'm a sheep. 
Ten Senate Democrats and Republicans say they reached five-year, nearly $1 trillion infrastructure deal. The question is, what's Uncle Chuck think of that? Not my Uncle Chuck, not Madison's Uncle Chuck. But we're talking about Chuck Schumer uh, in New York, the Senate Majority Leader. What is Nancy, Aunt Nancy? Not my Aunt Nancy. You know who I'm talking about. How does she feel in the House? And what about McConnell? And here's the point. Are they going to get their act together or not? Is this, is this going to happen? Let's bring in Dave Bratt, uh, Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. And Dave, good to see you again, sir. Thank you, David. Great to be on. Uh, this is a framework. It's 10 senators. But the fact that they had 10 senators from both parties agree on something, I mean, honestly, <laughs> in Washington, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, well, and it's all up in the swamp. I mean, it's significant because that signals that the, the Democrats have 10 to break the filibuster uh, on the budget, you know, so that's the juicy piece that the Washington Post puts out. But then, you know, the rest of us get to read it and find out what's in it. <laughs> and there'll be, you know, likely favoritism aimed at the 20 people on that committee. <clears throat> and if it ends up that way, then it, 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 you know, turns into a political football as usual. Right. And I'm reading through a couple of things here because, you know, I, I actually do study this stuff for a living. It, it says that uh, it's $579 billion in new spending above the baseline. It's talking about $974 billion over five years. Here, here's what's interesting. They say no tax hikes, but then they say uh, th there actually could be a gas tax uh, based on inflation. So that's going to be – that gas tax is going to be a non-starter. Dave, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a little gap there. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if we're already experiencing one, you know, point two trillion dollar deficits back when I was in, you know, a few years ago. Now we're up to, you know, several trillion uh, dollar deficits per year. And uh, so they're saying, well, there's no taxes. Well, then there's more debt that the kids have to pay back with higher taxes at some time, right? It's not like, you know, a trillion dollars just appears out of thin air. So. You know, they can say they're not going to raise taxes, but you have to at some point, uh, which which gets to the basic question. Uh, and, and Republicans really just ought to have a policy that they should not vote for any bills with increased spending by by one dollar. Right. Just say we're locking into, you know, we're locking into only having one point two trillion dollar deficit going forward. Yeah. And Dave, I, I got to tell you, and this is my analysis of the bill. A couple of things. One. Uh, the, the bill says that they they would use some of the unused COVID mm -hmm. money. Well, that's not going to fly with Democrats. They're, they're, they're not going to want to use that money, number one. And number, and, and number two, you, you know, you just wonder uh, that even if they pass a bill like this, let's also remember, Dave, that the social part of this, the social plans, like, in other words, uh, child welfare and all this other stuff, uh, Bernie Sanders and those guys, they're ready with a budget reconciliation deal on all the other stuff. So, you know, this idea that this is an infrastructure bill, it might be an infrastructure bill on just infrastructure, but the Democrats are going to push through the rest on budget rec reconciliation. Yeah. And uh, Steve Moore, you know, the, the White House economist, he's got his blogs out every day. He, had a, he got a blog out today saying you know, between 25 and 50 percent of the COVID stimulus checks uh, were wasted or didn't hit their targets and a bunch of new evidence that a bunch of the checks went to Nigerians who hacked the system and California, you know, corruption, et cetera. Uh, and so, you know, when that kind of information comes in as it's going to, uh, that's going to reduce the uh, demand for more government spending from the American uh, taxpayer. And we got an election coming up here in Virginia right now that uh, it looks to be closer than most people 
anticipated uh, because of the uh, Democrat overreach. And so, you know, if they start seeing the numbers going the wrong way here in Virginia, then the Dems are going to go, you know, running and screaming back to uh, moderate bill, hopefully and regain their senses. But uh, that is a dream. Well, you brought up Virginia. So let me ask, you think Youngkin's got a, got a shot? Uh, because McAuliffe, the last time he ran, he won, but he only beat Cuccinelli. And, and yeah. nothing against Ken Cuccinelli, but he probably wasn't the best candidate in the world. And he only beat him by three points, four points. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. I think 60,000 votes or something like that. Yeah. So uh, we've been, you know, turning progressively bluer by the day. But uh, because of this radical uh, overreach, you know, monument, the avenue in Richmond's on fire. Many small firms are boarded up and bankrupt uh, due to the violence uh, caused by the left. Uh, and so people are reading through the media now, right? They, they used to trust the Richmond Times Dispatch and some of these you know, papers as if they were getting objective, but now, but now they know. We've been, we've been you know, lied to for years and years and years. And so now a lot of you know, objective moms and dads out in the suburbs are finally turning our way, I think. Uh, as, as we wrap up with one last uh, topic, inflation, um, what's your best sense of what we're looking at as it relates to inflation? How concerned should we be? I, we, we know that Larry Summers, uh, who used to work for the Obama administration and some other Biden or excuse me, Obama folks have said they're very concerned. Yeah, well, when you get Larry Summers saying, you know, get, get your head on straight, and let's get back to reality, you, you know, right? So the the amount of monetary stimulus the, through the Federal Reserve System, right? Not the, not the debt, but the printing of money uh, has been huge in this, you know, six or seven trillion dollar range. And the lags on that uh, take a long time to kick in. And it's not like we have a precise science there. And in addition to that fact, uh, once you overstimulate and get heated up, it's very hard uh, to pull that inflation back. And so that's the big worry. Usually once the Fed sees any sign of that runaway inflation, uh, they start uh, taking immediate action. And a lot of commentators have been you know, politically correct in how, they, how they're criticizing the Fed, but they say the language coming out of the, uh, the Fed has almost just been kind of flipped, like no big deal. Well, at any other period in history, when you start seeing the signs of inflation emerging, uh, it's a doozy, right? Because we're, we're likely headed for stagflation. Right, inflation with a uh, slowdown and a market uh, reaction coming up probably in a year, and so that uh, the the business class is going to be a little nervous going forward, and they're they're the ones to watch. Well, don't blame the messenger, but Dave Brad is with us, the bearer of bad economic news. But don't blame him. Don't blame him. <laughs> All right, Dave Brad, have a great weekend. Thank you. Sir. You got it. God bless. Thanks, Dave. All right, go Flames there, uh, Liberty Flames, the Liberty. Flames. Uh, why do I have to repeat that three times? All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about COVID. Uh, we're going to talk about the vaccine. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you are pro-vaccination, you're probably not going to like our next guest. <laughs> so how's that for a tease? Back in a moment. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
the water cooler, everybody. Here's a question for you. Uh, are you taking the vaccine? More importantly, I say more importantly, I really want to know, are you not taking the vaccine? Will you drop us a line at the water cooler at justthenews.com? I'll say it again, and I'll do it in a New York accent. The water cooler at justthenews.com. Please uh, do that and tell us if, uh, if you're not taking the vaccine, why, what are your concerns? Oh, speaking of concerns, what a great transition to this New York Times headline. Look at this. The FDA tells Johnson & Johnson, hey, about 60 million of your doses were made at a troubled plant. By the way, that was in Baltimore. You can't use them. <laughs> what? Hello? Uh, Earth to vaccine nation, 60 million doses. Can't do it. Sorry. At least that's what the FDA is telling Johnson & Johnson. Hey, by the way, Johnson & Johnson also had uh, the problem with the blood clots. Remember that? Uh, so, look, there are a lot of questions about these vaccines. Uh, and yet, uh, let's listen to the media. Got to take it. Got to take it. Got to be safe. Got to be safe. Look, here's the problem, folks. People really, truly, a lot of them, the ones that are not taking the vaccine, let me tell you why. Okay, straight up. They don't trust the science. They don't trust the scientists. They don't trust the government. Put them all together. It's a whole kit and caboodle of disaster. And then we've got Fauci coming out saying six feet, three feet, two feet, red feet, blue, uh, red fish, blue fish. Who knows what he's saying? It's a bunch of gobbledygook from him. And there's a lot of distrust. I'm out of breath. Joining me now, Dr. Brian Artis, a CEO of ArtistLabs.com. Uh, Dr. Artis, thanks for being here on the water cooler. Thanks for having me on, David Brody. We're excited to be on the Kula. <laughs> what, what was that? Brody on the Kula. Hey, you know what, Madison, let's do that. Can we change? Yeah, Madison likes it. We're going to just change the, the name of the show to the Kula. Uh, all right. So you're, this just in, you're not a big fan of these vaccines. G give us your concerns uh, and, and, the, and your reaction to the latest news from the FDA saying, hey, Johnson & Johnson, you have a problem. Yeah, so the... Earlier today, the federal regulators said that 60 million doses of Johnson & Johnson are not going to be able to be used. They have to throw them out because there's been some cross-contamination with ingredients in the AstraZeneca vaccines that are also manufactured in that Baltimore facility. Now, this has been an ongoing investigation for several months. We already know Johnson & Johnson had six reported blood clot disorders that put the vaccine on hold for about 10 days or so which was disgusting when in reality, the Johnson & Johnson shot wasn't the only one that had produced blood clot issues that had been reported to the government. Even then, there was actually about a thousand reported blood clot disorders and issues from the Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson shots at the time they put the pause on this vaccine. The moment I read this in the New York Times, I thought it's too bad they haven't found all the problems associated with these vaccines because there are listed 250,000 adverse events to all the COVID-19 vaccines, including this Johnson & Johnson one, since December 14, 2020. So, so, doctor, let's talk about those adverse events. You mentioned 250,000. And so, so look, I, I get the unvaccinated viewpoint, 100 percent, 100 million percent, if that's even a number, 100 million percent. But here's the point. You talk about adverse uh, uh, effects. But that is measured through a certain system. What's the name? Is it VAERS? Is it the VAERS system? Am I, it is VAERS. VAERS. But, but, right, but a lot of people have concerns, uh, the critics, as you might imagine, have concerns about how that specifically is tabulated. I guess my question to you is, how can you and others in the community that don't believe these vaccine, vaccines are safe, how do you go about convincing people with this data because they, they're not quite sure they trust that data coming from VAERS? Sure. So let me give you some 
data that comes from cdc.gov just yesterday. Okay. There is actually a condition for children called multi-system, meaning multi-organs, inflammatory syndrome in children that comes directly from COVID-19 infection. And the FDA announced in October 2020, the same condition abbreviated MIS-C, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, is being caused by the vaccines for COVID-19 in children. So CDC.gov reported yesterday there's already 4,018 cases of these. The Mayo Clinic defines this issue as being a serious condition in all children because it causes inflammation of the brain in children, in the heart, and in the digestive tract, and another eight systems in the body. There's already 4,000 reported from those vaccinated 12 to 19-year-olds. So just so I understand what you're saying, you're saying that we can find that on the CDC website, is what you're saying? CDC.gov. I actually looked it up just yesterday. 4,018 already reported to the CDC. And that that number is uh, related to the vaccines that have been out since January, in essence, December, January? They actually, they actually have the graph of all the diagnoses for MIS-C in children, and it actually spikes from the December vaccine period up through January, and it continues to rise. Fascinating. Very, very good information. All right, everybody's uh, heard that, right, at home. Shall we all play along? CDC.gov. Go there. M-I-S uh, hyphen C. Do I have that right? M-I-S hyphen C. Uh, and this condition, on the CDC website, it says mm -hmm. doctors are to report this when they see high C-reactive protein, mm -hmm. which is a heart attack uh, element in the blood that medical doctors look for, and also low white blood count, which is what's found in leukemia and Hodgkin's lymphoma in children. Yeah. This is how you diagnose this condition from the COVID-19 vaccine or spike proteins from coronavirus. That's fascinating to me. I've got about a minute left. If you were in a room with Dr. Fauci, uh, and, and let's not keep, let's not go violent here. Just kidding. Not that you would. Uh, but but what would you say to him? What what's the one minute spiel to Dr. Fauci if you have him alone in a room? What what's your advice to him? What are you telling him? Can you give me access to all of your emails? That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got quite a few of them. We've got quite. Yeah. But you want more, is what you're saying. I want all of them. Yep. They have actually with retracted or redacted some of those actual emails mm -hmm. under a, a law stating that only portions of the things in there have to be not allowed to the public view because there could be law enforcement issues behind criminal charges. So we don't really know what's all in those emails, but I'm excited to see if all of that can be released. I got we know Matt's never effective. We know the gain of function <laughs> testing was a real thing funded by him. What else are they withholding? Okay, fair, fair enough. I think you and Rand Paul and many others want uh, all those emails as well. All right, Dr. Brian Artis, uh, thanks for being here. Great insight. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the all Cooler right. Brody Show. <laughs> all right, uh, Dr. Brian Artis, uh, uh, on the Cooler. You know what, Madison, here's why that's cool, because we're a cool show, right? The Cooler. Like, we're, we're, we're hip, we're, we're cool, uh, we're the hippest. I've got a bad hip as well, so why not just call it the Cooler? Uh, so, listen, here's the thing. We bring on Republicans. Uh, we bring on Democrats. I think we're having Roland Martin on on Monday. If not, I just booked him myself just right now. Uh, but beyond that, we, we bring the pro-vax uh, community on. We bring the anti-vax community on. You know why? First Amendment balance. Can we have it? Can we have it? Back in a moment. Welcome.
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. We are going down to Dallas, Texas, and I'm just going to talk like this for the whole segment. We're going to Turning Point, USA's Young Women's Leadership Summit in Dallas, Texas. Joining me now, Karen Turk, Real America's Voice Correspondent. Oh, look, she's got a special guest. Karen, good to see you. Great to see you. This is amazing here. I've got Kelly Paul with me. Kelly, what an amazing experience this is here. Thank you. I, it is. I am so inspired. I have met so many amazing young women. I cannot believe the growth of this event in the last few years. It is awesome. It really is. And Kelly, you were up on that stage and you were inspiring these young ladies. What advice did you give to them? My advice was basically stand up for yourselves, never apologize for your beliefs, refuse to be canceled, don't become like this boring version of yourself that is afraid to really say what you believe, stand up for your faith, your love of your country, and to keep doing what you're doing. I heard you gave them some advice on media. Well, it's just the same thing. Do not back down. Do not back down. We always have to be able to cancel, challenge government authority and also what the media says. And I gave them several examples of how the media has totally mischaracterized things that Rand has tried to do and say over the last several years. Yeah, we're living in a world where things seem to get twisted, and these young ladies here are going to come out of this experience really being able to go out and fight on their college campuses and high school campuses. We've got girls here who are freshmen in high school, sophomores in high school, and hopefully they're going to take these skills back to them. What do you think some of the practical things they can do when they get home are? Well, as I said to several of them, you know, history is made by the people that show up. And sometimes we have such a focus on like federal government and federal issues, but really what we're seeing is, especially during COVID, the bulwark against the authoritarian streak in our government was in local economies, local cities, local government, school boards, all of this is so important. And a lot of times only small groups of people show up for this. And I'm encouraging all conservatives, all libertarians, people that are freedom minded to make sure that they're, if they're not running for school board, they're supporting someone who is. If they're not running for local office, they're finding out who that person is and they're giving them support they need. Be the people that are showing up. Yeah, I've seen a lot of these young ladies here who are actually running for local offices in their own community. I met a young lady earlier who is in her Republican executive committee locally. You know, these girls can go out there and run for office. And there are a couple of groups that are here on, on this tour actually talking to these girls about running for office. What advice could you give them on that? Once again, it's have confidence and show up. Be the per get involved. Get involved in a, maybe a conservative group. Maybe you support someone else the first time, but then you meet enough people, you understand the issues. But don't be afraid to speak up for your ideas. Don't be intimidated by the media or think that somehow your ideas are not valid. We need more of that, not less. Amazing, amazing. Great to catch up with you. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me, Karen. Karen, I have a quick question uh, for you and also for Kelly, if you could just have her stick around. I, I, I'm curious about all this talk about birthing people and the Democrats are talking about birthing people and all that instead of women. And they talk about being pro-women, but that birthing people language is really ridiculous. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing you, David. So I, it's it's pretty loud in here. We got a lot of girls. We got a lot of, of loud loud people around us. I'm having kind of a hard time hearing your question. Did you hear? Can you hear me now? Is this any better? A little bit better. That's a little bit better, David. I, I want to ask you about birthing people. What do people think about birthing people? Because that's not pro women at all. Yeah. I can't, David. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's David. okay. I can't hear you, and I wish I could because I know you got a great question for Kelly, but I'm having a little bit of problem with the audio. All right, Karen, appreciate you. Uh, we we, we love we love you and the event and everybody down there. Tell Kelly our best. Give Kelly our best. Uh, that's Karen Turk and Kelly Paul down there uh, at uh, the uh, the conference there in uh, I say the conference Turning Point USA's Young Women's Leadership Summit. In Dallas, Texas, uh, Jenna Ellis also spoke down there. And once again, RAV uh, will be covering that uh, now. And, of course, we've got a crew down there and uh, throughout, I believe, when does it end? Uh, is it the 17th through the, uh, or I'm sorry, the 10th uh, through the 10th. So this is the last 10th through the 13th. So uh, anyhow, we've got that. What I was trying to make the point about uh, was this idea that, and Kelly Paul was on to a lot of this, which is, you know, you can't bow to what the media pressure uh, is saying about uh, conservative women. And can, look, let's be honest. I mean, conservative women are up against it in today's society. Conservatives overall are up against it. Evangelicals, for sure, are up against it. But conservative women, look, if you're a pro-life woman uh, who holds, and, and, and let's be honest, if you're a pro-life woman who supports Donald Trump, hey, you better buckle your seatbelt because you're going to get ripped. As a matter of fact, you were ripped for four years, and you're still going to be ripped. And the question really in society today is all about that scarlet letter. Uh, do conservative women who back Donald Trump, do they have a scarlet letter on them right now uh, because uh, of their support for the former president? And when I was talking to Karen about birthing people, it's that same idea, this idea that liberals are now going with birthing people because of the transgender issue uh, rather than this just in. And I've said it so many times, women give birth to babies. Why am I saying that? And who am I looking at? But why am I saying that? I mean, seriously, it, it, I don't even, I can't even comprehend the idea that to, in today's day and age, I literally have to say, did you know that women give birth to babies? No, apparently, according to uh, liberals, people give birth to babies, all different types of people, men, women, women who think they're men, men who think they're women, transgender, the whole thing, it doesn't matter. And why? What's the reason? Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Here, here's the reason. Because they don't want to offend anybody. Because even if you are a woman from a biological perspective or a male from a biological perspective, it does not matter. That's what they think. They don't care how God created you. That's not the issue. By the way, this just in, it is. But that's not the issue the way they see it. The way they see it is whatever you want to be, therefore, is your reality. That's a bunch of gobbledygook. It's a bunch of gobbledygook that makes no sense. And here's the problem with that. Because if we don't have a standard in this country, if we don't have rules and regulations, but more importantly, moral standards in this country, well, then what in the world? I mean, you know, so, so one person believes this and another person believes that. And, you know, my uncle Sam believes this and my aunt Tr uh, Trudy believes that. We need to have some sort of semblance in this country. And here's some semblance for you. Women give birth to babies. No birthing people allowed. Sorry, did I disappoint you if you're a birthing person? Give me a call. Give me a, give me a call. What's my number? I'm not going to give you my number.
That's going to be my ringtone. Welcome uh, back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. Uh, all right, so uh, are you going to go on a cruise uh, this summer? What about this fall? Uh, are, you gonna, are you vaccinated? So do me a favor. Could you email me at thewatercooler at justthenews.com? Once again, look, we even have it there. Thank you, Austin. Thewatercooler at justthenews.com. Here's what I want to know. Couple things. One, are you going on a cruise? Uh, and if you could send me your itinerary. No, just kidding. But just, are you going on a cruise? And if you're going on a cruise, are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? What's the deal? How is this working? And how do you feel about vaccine passports? Give it to me all. I'll read it all. I will. I've got nothing better to do over the weekend. Trust me. I'm over 50. What am I doing? I'm checking out my AARP benefits. All right. Uh, here's a headline from the Washington Post. A fully vaccinated cruise set sail in the Caribbean. Why am I laughing? Whoops. Uh, two passengers just tested positive for COVID. They're fine. They're asymptomatic. All right. But they were fully vaccinated. They go on the cruise. They're fully vaccinated. And that's the deal. Now, it's so funny because you go to Twitter and everybody's like, you see, Ron DeSantis said send unvaccinated people on a cruise. And look what happened. No, folks, they were fully vaccinated. So then the question becomes, what do you do with that exactly? And by the way, uh, I want to talk about Ron DeSantis. We've got him up there for a moment. I mean, talk about a bold conservative warrior. This guy is taking on the cruise ship industry uh, down in Florida and he's won. Royal Caribbean, as we reported earlier this week, uh, literally backing down from DeSantis because DeSantis said, we're going to fine you, your Royal Caribbean, all your cruise uh, ships there, uh, cruise lines. We're going to fine you $5,000 every time you decide you're going to uh, try to uh, kick an unvaccinated person off your cruise ship, so to speak. And so Royal Caribbean said, oh, no, 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 Mr. DeSantis, please don't do that. Uh, we'll just allow unvaccinated people on our cruise ships. And that's exactly what happened. But in this case, you have a cruise ship uh, with fully vac. Uh, literally the whole ship was fully vaccinated. But once again, we know that just because you're vaccinated, still about a four or five percent chance or show so that you could get COVID. As a matter of fact, I know a couple of people myself who have been vaccinated who got COVID. Here's my thing. These two people that are on the ship that have COVID who were fully vaccinated, does everybody else have to be concerned now on the ship? They're fully vaccinated. So most likely, you know, are, are they going to shut down the buffet? And by the way, think about it. You're on a cruise and you're like, hey, we're on the Lifetime Cruise. It's a cruise of a lifetime. And we're quarantined in our room. Great. And welcome back to the Kula. That's right. Dr. Artis got us going, Madison. It is now the Kula. And who knows what's in the Kula uh, on a Friday. All right. Let's uh, be joined. Be joined. What, what is this, like uh, 1782 England? Let us be joined by Joe Weber. Uh, can we have some fanfare? The news editor, Just the News. Hello, Joe. Good to see you, sir. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you, sir. Uh, what do you got going here? Uh, there's always news, Joe. There's always news. He did. Let me dive right into this right away. Talk a little bit about that New York Times report that came out uh, late Thursday about the uh, Trump administration, Justice Department under um, President Trump, looking into some uh, records and metadata from Apple server and other providers um, on House Republican, I mean, the House um, Intelligence Committee, Democrats, 12 in all. Uh, I want to dive into the details really quick, but I got to tell you, this really does feel like deja vu all over again, right? Like the greatest hits. All the names have come out. Um, 
Adam Schiff on the Intelligence Committee, Eric Swalwell. These were two people that were targeted. A lot of this, as you know, is focused on President Trump's just, you know, rigorous effort to attempt to try to find out who was leaking this information in the Russian collusion investigation. Uh, a lot of it comes back to General, remember retired Army Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who was National Security Advisor, and his conversations with the Russian ambassador at that point, uh, Sergei Sisliak. That's all in there. Now, just recently, uh, Senator Schumer, uh, the majority leader, and Dick Durbin, the number two, the whip in the uh, Senate, both called on uh, former AG Jeff Sessions, who started all this, and then it was carried on by William Barr. He wants them to be subpoenaed. I find that a bit unusual that it seems to be the Senate maybe fighting the House battles. Another one point to point out here is that for as much as the hand-wringing and you know, Adam Schiff saying this is a dangerous assault on democracy, uh, nobody has said this is illegal. Yeah. Um, and interesting to point out, well, right? Well, that's interesting, Joe. I only got 20 more seconds for, for you, but real quick, uh, what's going to be interesting is maybe this was, a, if they're going to say this, cloak it in national security, if this was a national security issue, they're going to make a, a case uh, there. I do believe so. Can I say one last thing real quick? Uh, coming you've out. got about 10 seconds, sure. Okay, Danella Frazier, the young woman who filmed the George Floyd uh, video. Yeah. She won a special one. And BuzzFeed for their reporting on the human rights violations to Uyghurs in China. Congratulations to one of the first. Very nice. Glad you got that on. Joe, have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. You too. Thank All you. right. Uh, Monday on the show, guess who's going to be here? <laughs> Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. And wait for it, in studio. That's right. Hey, she's not co-anchoring. She's just going to be over there. Have a good week.